It was a wonderful night outside at BMO, but the result, not quite what we were all hoping for. A 2-2 draw at home against LA Galaxy in Greg Vanny. And it feels like half of the 2017 teams return to BMO Field. Welcome to the Tunnel Club Day After Show. Uh, you're with your host, Mike Newell, and as always, Sean Levy. Um, I don't know how to feel after that game. I mean, I'm still processing it a, a day afterwards. But a a game that you felt probably could have come away with three points. But also, I feel a 2-2 draw is a fair result. Sean, what were your what are your thoughts a day after on uh, on the match? Well, I, I don't think we outplayed them. Um, I thought they had some good opportunities. They had good possession of the ball with movement. Um, they exposed us a few times, um, but the defense were able to, you know, make some good stops. But it, it, they were. You know, I I don't really know what to say. Like. Uh, we, I guess we can't expect Insigne and Bernadette to light it up every single game. And we need other players to step up. And, you know, there were some moments where some players played some good, like, I'm, I'm not going to criticize anyone to say anyone had a real bad game. But, you know, I was impressed. Kosi played well playing in that midfield role. And we've seen an improved uh, Jaden lately. But, you know, ideally we want our, our, our top starting 11 if we're competing, you know, Right? Yeah, dropping, we dropped two points versus we got a draw. Yeah, I mean, look, you the team clearly missed Jonathan Osorio and Mark Anthony K. Like, there's just no way around that. Um, the midfield with Kosi Thompson and Jaden Nelson just it can't really do the job for you in a massive match like this. Uh, and Obviously, we're hoping that the fit for Sunday for the. But I think you, I think yesterday, although of course you know Bernadeschi scores the penalty and draws the penalty, you know uh, a great sort of just to get it off your back back finish for Jesus Jimenez, and finally finish one. You still feel like Toronto FC is leaving a little something on the field there. And look, they're, they're two great goals by the LA Galaxy, right? Like, let's, let's not get wrong. A lot of throw out Spoto again uh, today. I think it's slightly ridiculous that people are, are going a little over the board on him. The free kick, mm, all right, maybe. Uh, um, but it still struck really well by Douglas Costa and struck with a lot of pace. Uh, and in the Puig, in the, in the Pug goal, like, People are saying that he's a step too far to the right. I, I honestly, I think if, even if he was the step over to the left, I think that ball's going in. I was behind the goal on that. In the pace, in the, the precision in which you win, I think Alex Bono's getting there, even if he was a step over to the left. So, you know, you got beat by two really great goals. And, I, and you know, and you also got beat by a midfield of Pug and Victor Vasquez. Uh, who were probably the two best players on the pitch for either team last night. And it, again, shows when you don't have Mark Anthony Kay and Jonathan Osorio, right? They just, they were able to kind of put a foot on the game and, and keep LA in it and keep a churning over uh, in those moments. And, you know, that, that's kind of how it goes when you don't have those important players like that for important big games. Oh, definitely. I mean, uh, we didn't control the midfield, right? We we were dominated in that area 100%. Um, we had Io up front starting again, and, you know, he he looked better in the sense of his positioning on the field, moving around, not all like, called offside once yesterday. Um, but, you know, his finishing wasn't there. Um, but... Like, what can you really say, like, 
right, like I said, I, a few weeks ago I said it when these guys came. It would be great if we make the playoffs. I just want to see consistent improvement as a team, as a whole. And I've seen it for the most part. Yesterday yesterday wasn't the best game for them, uh, albeit if you when you add up how many games they're playing in that short window of time, they're going to have especially when you're not having your best 11 out there. But it was two points we lost. We dropped versus uh, getting a, a draw because I still think we could have we could have won last night. Yeah, I think a lot of people were kind of feeling that way a bit uh, in terms of the result. And obviously people are scoreboard watching and trying to figure out what's happening in other games. You know, a lot of people still have the playoffs sort of insight and in, in luckily a lot of the results did go our way last night the Senate. I think we're someone what three points back um uh, of the of the final playoff spot. But it makes Sunday so much more critical and it makes you know your home games now um incredibly crit- critical. You know, you've only got two every there's no I, I in my opinion every game period is critical. You can't afford well, to yeah, drop anymore. Like, because again, it's not just a matter of us winning out. It's a matter of teams ahead of us shit in the back and simple. That's really how it's going to happen. Like, it, we could win out and still not make the playoffs. That's just the reality of where we are right now. That's hard. We need team, other teams ahead of us to shit the bed, but we have to win out to have any hope, right? right? And yeah. realistically, like, we all want to see them a win on Sunday, but we're going up against a hot Montreal that I don't, that's been playing extremely well. Right. So we, again, if we're not having our best 11 out there, it's not going to be an easy game. No, it wasn't going to be an easy game. Even if we did have our best 11 out there, right? Like I, I think, you know, you're two points back. Sorry, Miami. This is the team we're chasing. Um, you know, and, in, in right now, all three of those teams have a game in hand on us. Um, Cincinnati actually has two games in hand. So, uh, you know, you're going to need a lot of help, uh, as we said before. And, and plus they need to essentially not quite win out, but they as close to win out as possible, uh, to make it to the playoffs. But, um, a little bit of work about tonight. And again, this is sort of the viewers show too, right? Like we want your your thoughts and opinions on this. Um, so go ahead. Uh, and if you have a question or a thought, uh, tweet them in. Um, just if you're on your phone or if you're in the room on your laptop, um, I've pinned a couple of tweets to this, uh, to this chat. Uh, one of them is uh, just from us just saying, hey, Use the hashtag TFC Talk Club. Go ahead and um, submit questions. Or if you want to grab the mic and get your thoughts in, uh, grab the bottom left-hand corner there with the request mic button, and we will try to get you in uh, tonight and, and get your thoughts. But, you know, one of the things I, I wanted to talk about a bit was just, and, and this is something that, again, I, we talked about this on the Toronto I Die podcast you know, just sort of sit back, enjoy the nice things. And I guess this is to be expected given the profilers and, you know, who they are. But it, there is a bit of right now of reliance on, on Insigne and Bernadette. And it's good to see, you know, to, to get Jesus Jimenez going and get him a goal. Um, but there are times where, that reliance on both players makes them a little, sometimes a little easier to mark in certain situations. Not all the time, right? When they can run at teams, they can be dangerous, obviously. Uh, but when they're sort of set in and have a ball and have possession or set in a, and the def- defense is set in a block, um, you know, they kind of get a little predictable in terms of, how they're trying to attack the goal. And that, and, and that's something that they'll need to develop, you know, uh, hopefully in short order, but even looking forward to 2023, that's something that they'll need to develop as they bring in more talent around them. Right. Right. And, and I think part of one of the, the factors is, is when you take a player like Osario, also, you know, threat, you almost 
force like everything you can, it's clearly seeing when you watch how we play we're trying to either go right or left and and i whether it be insignia or bernardacci one of them is supposed to be your your target man up front right secondary or third option really is io and then anyone else but realistically even when those guys get the ball they're hesitant to shoot now i did see a little bit more out of them yesterday where they were taking more chances and I think a positive factor was, I, you know, I saw, you know, the neighbor that she, you know, whether they, it was a, a wide shot or whatever happened, they were encouraging them. They was like, you know, they were make at least not kind of like heads down, making these guys feel like, like, yo, why didn't you give me the ball? It was, was more like, all right, not, nice one. Good try. Like that's something I hadn't seen prior. And if we see more of that, that will probably open up, you know, give more players the confidence to shoot or not always think, Okay, maybe I actually have have the better shot versus maybe passing it to Insignia or passing it to Bernadette. Yes, but at the same time, uh, and I'm going to contradict myself, I know, by saying this. Who else you got, right? Like, it, it, it's, the, it's, it's this sort of where we're at at the moment where you're like, oh, I want secondary scoring and we want other players to be goal dangerous uh, on the team, but that's what we're working with at the moment. Uh, and sure, teams can overload, especially on Insigne. I find that they really overload on Insigne more than Bernard Eschi. But again, maybe that's that of Lorea down the right, um, or they feel like they can have a little bit more defensive cover. But then when he cuts in, but, uh, you know, like for a while there before the penalty, it just, it looked like they could sort of, get to the edges of goal and, and kind of have kind of have opportunities, but not really anything cutting edge, you know, not nothing that would really threaten LA galaxy uh, to any great extent. And that partly has to do with maybe not having a consistent threat at the number nine position. Hopefully the goal, like I said, with Jesus Jimenez gets him going for the final stretch here and he can, you know, start to, cause it looked like, it looked like he was snatching at chances and it looked like he was really pressing for that goal. I'm not looking like he was pressing for that goal. And in part of you can't blame him, you know, it, he hadn't scored since the end of June. Um, but uh, now with that goal in, in the bag, you just hope that okay, maybe you give them the start on Sunday, and that just gives him that gives the team a little bit more in terms of that attacking threat up top. Because um, I mean, look, they they hung into the even without Oso and Mac, they hung into the, they hung in the game, right? Um, you know, the Douglas Costa free kick aside, uh, you know, they, they they hung into that game, and and that was again, if you want to look at positive signs and. Things like that. Um, you know, they, they stayed in that game and, and gave themselves a chance, even going down one nil, uh, to snatch something uh, out of it. And you know, they got the penalty. Thank you, Raheem Edwards, um, secret agent, red secret agent with uh, the LA Galaxy, um, handing us a clear cut penalty, uh, which was great. Um, but uh, you know, it, these next couple of games, you're really going to need you're really going to need another goal threat because all the team pretty much all the teams we're going to be playing are playing for something right there's no teams that we're playing uh down the stretch that are out of it or have nothing to play for right they're all you know either jockeying for a final playoff spot or jockeying for better position higher up in the table so uh you know it's a tough uh, it's a tough last five games for for tfc down the stretch um, one thing I wanted to bring up. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Sean. I think you had to. Uh, no, no. I was just gonna um, touch on 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 our lack of scoring. Um, you would assume, in my opinion, yes. You start Jimenez simply because we've given you know I I O what three or four games now to start at least three. Um, you know, we've seen an improvement. Like I said, at least in my opinion, yesterday compared to the other games, how we played overall, but. No score, no goals, right? Jimenez got off the hide. You kind of almost want to reward him and, and also hope this is what 
triggers that that goal goal scoring um, again, um, and that obviously would alleviate the you know some of the pressure up front. Um, and again, a key factor is having Oso on the pitch. In my opinion, not having him out there offensively hurts so much. And that is, he is a goal scoring threat. Everyone knows that. Yes, and, very much true. And, and so, in my opinion, like even more so than up front, having him out not there is what's really hurting, or, um, or at least limiting um, threats up front. Uh, Robbie requested the mic, so trying to bring him in. Uh, I think we got him. Robbie, uh, go ahead and meet yourself, man, and uh, give us your thought or question. Yeah, hey guys. Um, I don't know. I I'm pretty happy. I mean, I, let's like pretend the playoffs don't exist, and you take this like last you know bit of games. You look at the form we're in. We're like a 65 to 70 point team. We've got like one loss, even though we've left points on the table. We've got one loss in the last I don't know seven or eight games. Even if you include Vancouver regulation, uh, you know regular time. Uh, and I think there's incremental improvements, even though we're really thin at a lot of positions, and we've got two like senior roster spots open. Um, like Cozy and Io, I mean Nelson didn't have his best game, but like the triangles, the play, the quick play in midfield was looking a little better. And and I was at the game; I'm at most of them. Um, it was such a treat to watch LA. Uh, like Douglas Costa, uh, even Puj. Oh my God! Like you can, you can. It's really nice. And Chicharito in person, minus the Hollywood antics at the end, um, which was kind of embarrassing. Um, I'm hoping, hoping Richie got a nipple twist in there. But if he didn't, I mean, way to go, uh, Javier. Um, but I mean, like the incremental improvements from the team uh, is noticeable. Thompson, like you said, Mike, I thought showed well, and he had a shot. I'm not sure if it was on net. Ayo had a shot. So I think that bodes well for production, even going forward in the last five games. I think we're, we look good. We look like an MLS team. It's actually probably above average of the prototypical MLS team, and we've got game breakers. So, and the results went our way. So, I mean, we can go. I'm not like the. I'm usually pretty. I'm, I'm, I'm a skeptic, but I've been positive lately because everything looks good. And if you take off the short runway aside, TFC looks great. I wish Bono would have stopped the first one. I mean, it was four yards, like, from the inside of the post, but what are you going to do? Like, you know, like, it's a ball coming over a wall at speed movement. So I, I think I see it differently. I think we look great out there, and there's still hope. Uh, I think you're, what did you guys say in your, in your run up to the, to the podcast today about, you know, are our playoff hopes dented? I think they were boosted with the, with the results we got and you never want to drop points at home, but we still got the point. We were out of this game, like LA bossed the midfield and I was there and I was, you know, the, the people I was with around me, we were like, I don't know if TFC has a way out of this and, and we hung around and there's no way we do this two, three months ago. Not a chance. And that's not just being positive. That's like, we look good. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. You know? Yeah, and I, I, I see your point, Robbie. And I, I think that, so there's two things that I, I draw from that. One, I'm not completely negative on the team. I, I do think there are, there are things that, you know, we'll need to address as we're going down these last five games. Um, and you're right, completely. Like, if you extrapolate this run over an entire season we're comfortably in the playoffs. We're probably uh, competing or at least in the mention for a supporter shield. I guess the, the thing is, is that you do, you, it's hard to take the playoff playoffs out of the equation because, you know, you, they have put themselves in a position to potentially make it. And Look, I, I've been all – this whole season, I've very much been about, you know, the real work is in 2023. That's when we really see this team sort of take off. Um, and we'll see what sort of the the Bob Bradley experience is really going to be like uh, full throttle when he's got all the players that he wants and or the majority of the players that he wants. And, the, and he's playing the system fully that he wants. But – you know, 
if you give yourself that chance in MLS where you you can get yourself in the playoffs, you kind of have to take it. And because once you're in, anything can happen. And what 2019, right? Like, you know, that team got to an MLS Cup final and had probably no business being in an MLS Cup final. You know, you know, it was great to be there. It was great to make it. You know, I made the away trip to Seattle. I, I recognize some names in here that also made it um, out. And it was a great trip, even though they lost. But, man, that, like that team had no business getting to an MLS Cup. But you have a magic Alejandro Pozuelo playoff run. At, you know, Lorea doing what he does and drawing penalties in New York, you know, Penenka penalties in New York and a Nick DeLeon screamer. And the next thing you know, you're you're 90 minutes away from a second star on your badge. So, uh, you know, as much as we want to say, hey, take the playoffs out of the question and extrapolate over and things like that, which is true, 100 percent. It is you're 100 percent right. Right, Robbie. Man, if you get that chance to get into the MLS Cup playoffs, you gotta take it because anything can happen. You know, and I don't disagree with you though. Like I, I'm just saying, it's great. I I still think the hope is alive. I think everyone is playing Toronto like it's the biggest game of their season because everyone wants to show that they're as good as these imports that we just got. Right? Everyone's game to play us and. As far as I'm concerned, we've been playing playoff, you know, football for a while. And we're rising. I mean, I think if you look at it real closely, TFC slowly rising is the rough find out. But I was listening to, uh, you know, uh, someone who comments on, on TFC and MLS, David Goss, and he said that, you know, it's going to cut. If Toronto, Toronto makes it, it's going to be that last game against Philly. And I think it is. I think we're going to have to beat one of the best teams in the league if we're able to, like, run these next few games out. And I, like you said, I think we have one game to drop points and the rest we've got to take them all. And that's where we sit. But that's still exciting. And the stadium was rocking, you know. And Sean, I could see your floral shirt from where I was sitting, man. You were, you were on fire. Oh, that, oh, that guy. That guy. I'm like, that's Sean. <laughs> That shot. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. That's hilarious that you can spot my shirt from there. But then again, I do know where you sit, and you have a great vantage point compared to where we're sitting. So you definitely have a different, uh, like, for some those that maybe don't sit in the, the south end, we have a, a tunnel vision view. So we miss certain parts and certain aspects of the game. So I know Mike and I very often, when we can, we'll rewatch the game just so we can actually get a better you know, view of the game and we can, you know, things that we miss, especially when we're cheering and, and not always paying attention to the game. That's often how we have to kind of recap, but thank you very much about for that, Robbie. No worries. I'm also, also flying high cause I had a great time at the game last night and I'm full on like tiny donuts, but I also found out that Bernadeschi lives in my neighborhood. I was walking today. I'm just going to say this. And I, I'm like, that's gotta be him. So I was like, come on TFC and not, dude turned around and come on TFC'd me and that was it and I'm like oh my god my life's over so like I'm flying high but I think there's hope and um, I'm just glad the stadium's rocking because it was great last night no it was great it was great and um, I see uh, uh, Annie's in the room as well and it was great to unveil the uh, TFC Legends banners for Danny DiCchio and uh, Dwayne De Rosario before the match. Um, some just—I I think the vibes are. Like we said the vibes are strong right now in the stadium, right? Like there's a lot of, you know, good will. Obviously, it helps when the team's playing better, uh, and you've got you know these guys to, you know, to to galvanize people. Um, and hey, look again, they came back. They came back from one nil down, and we're ten minutes away. Not even. Uh, they were a minute, you know, five minutes away uh, with injury time um, and picking up an important three points. So uh, from that perspective, you know, yes, I look, don't get me wrong. I am positive we're all on this team. You know, you're always going to have those small little things that you kind of wish um, you could have gotten out of uh, the game itself. Um, one other thing I sort of wanted to, to bring up and, I'm surprised this actually got as much sort of play as it did. Um, 
but is this idea around whether or not uh, TFC should have done something for Greg Vanny, um, either pre pre game, probably pre game. Um, I don't know where people stand on this. Uh, it's an interesting one because um, you know a few people have brought it up. I see Mike Singh's in the room. Michael Singh brought this up uh, as well on the parlay. It's this idea of you know. I get it. Greg Vanny is this, he's a legendary figure at this club, clearly, right? Like he, he is the manager that turned the ship around um, from laughing stock to uh, greatest team of all time. Right. And, and this, this question of what, whether or not we should have had a video, I, I have, I think I have a view on it, but I, I feel like I can also be swayed um, on this, but um, Sean, love to get your thoughts. Robbie, I'm going to throw you back in, to the audience, but if you want to jump back, grab the mic at any time, buddy. All right. Um, okay, so the first, I mean, okay, I know players are different than the than coaches, right? You know, certain, especially when you have a massive impact on, you know, how, how the team plays or certain goals. For example, Danny Dicchio, legend, in the sense of, you know, the first goal we, we had, uh, at BMO, 23 minute, you know, like we all, or 23 and change. I don't know the exact, that does, you know, we have a star that we, everyone in this room is very proud about. We have, we were, you know, a, a penalty shootout away from potentially being the biggest club in the, this region. And, you know, I think I think even a small little video tribute didn't have to be anything major, but a something would have been a little tip of the hat to say that you would have been OK. I would have been totally for that. I don't see any issue if they had did, done something like I don't think we need, you know, um, fireworks and a big, you know, bring out the whole family kind of thing. But a little video tribute would have been nice. Hmm. Interesting. Um. I'm fine with them not doing anything, uh, to be honest. It's a big game. We needed to win it. Um, uh, I sh- Look, he got a video when he left. Uh, uh, you know, that I think, you know, not when he left. You know, I, I, I'm fine with not having to do a tribute video every time somebody comes back, even if they're big parts of, club you know what i mean like when they're wearing the opposition colors i i'm fine with that um there's also questions about how he left so there's always that uh, you know but um from a uh, from a in-game perspective like i and this is just me personally uh i know a lot of people think about this differently I'm, you know, great, great. I love you, Greg. You've done amazing things for us. I will uh, clearly will always have um, the utmost respect and and, uh, reverence for him. But during those 90 minutes when you're in a stadium wearing the other colors, man, you're not my friend anymore. You know, you're, you're, you're my opponent. Um, And and that's, and that's how I kind of see, and it's the same thing I kind of saw with Victor Vasquez and if Marky Delgado had played. Um, and if that and Zavaleta would have played, I mean Zavaleta will go after Zavaleta anytime. But like, um, you know, but like, uh, you're the, you're the opponent at that point. And well, after the game, after the game, he came by the south end. Everybody clapped him at that point. At that point, I'm fine with that. You know, you obviously have to show the respect to the Greg father, and and that that completely makes sense to me. But in those 90 minutes, man, nah, nah, we ain't friends. So you're trying to tell me in that 20 minutes. 15 minutes prior to kickoff, not even necessarily like maybe when the, when the players are winning, a lot of people aren't even necessarily, we're all chit chat and everything. A little minute video at that point would have is like, again, that's prior to the kickoff, not right before I'm saying like at, at a moment when it doesn't have to be at a, when the stadium is packed and we're all ready to go. Ah, uh, well, one, we had legends to, we had TFC legends to, to unveil. <laughs> um, no, no, no. Seriously, though, I like. I, I think no, because I think you know. In that moment, you want the stadium, and like, 
look, I, I don't think anybody would have been there cheering for LA Galaxy just because Greg Vanny was, well, maybe family members. But, like, you know, TFC fans wouldn't be cheering for LA Galaxy just because Greg Vanny was now LA Galaxy coach and they played a video for him or anything like that. But, I mean, at that point, like, this is about TFC right now. Uh, you know, we'll have an opportunity to thank TFC of the past when that time comes. Um, you know, and he's still coaching and he's still going. And, uh, you know, whenever that time comes, we'll do it then. But with not necessarily having to do, like, a, a you know, we already said thank you, Greg. Like, how many times can you say thank you to the man? Like, we, we said thank you when he left. You know, we you know we've said thank you since. Um, we've always wanted to, we all wanted him to come back last year. Like it's you know I, I I get all that, and I guess you know I guess for some fans, it, like I'm not saying it it's a necessity. I said it would have been nice, but like I said, I just think first the you know, like he only comes back and may not be back in two years because they're probably not coming here next year. We don't know like if shit if he doesn't succeed. You know, this is MLS, win now. So it, when you're coaching big clubs, he may not be around in two years. So I'm not I'm not going to say they had to do it. It would have been nice. That's just my take. Fair enough. Thanks. Fair enough. Uh, Chris, you've been waiting a while to to jump in here. So go ahead and unmute yourself, man, and uh, give us your thought or question. Um, I just wanted to butt in here because I didn't think anybody would share the same opinion as me. But I... Um, with me, it's like a North American culture thing where, well, we are in North America, but like when I look at the NHL, uh, NBA, everybody gets a tribute. They'll pause the game and give the person the tribute. But when I look at European soccer, unless you're like an absolute legend of the game, like does that really happen that often? Like, so I think we're kind of like with being MLS, we're kind of like in the middle of the two cultures and trying to figure out which is the best solution. Uh, like, if we did a video before the game, maybe 30 minutes before the game, show a couple highlights, show the trophies, and call it a day, I'd be fine with that. But, like, with what I agree with Mike, 100%. I don't think it's appropriate. We're trying to win a game. Um, we're trying to focus on the game. Uh, we're trying to get the crowd focused on the game. We need to win. It's a desperate situation if we want to make the playoffs. Um... We can honor them at a 10-year anniversary down the road sometime. Or, like, why does it have to be right here, right now, in this moment? Um, and also, like, you can we, you drop the thank you video on on Twitter or, or whatever. Like, it's, I, I don't know. I, I, like I said at the start, I think it's like a, a cultural thing where MLS is kind of caught in the middle, where, where in, in Europe, especially European soccer, you don't really see this sort of thing. But in the NBA, NHL... Um, I, don't, I don't follow NFL that closely, um, and, and uh, Major League Baseball as well. They everybody gets a video tribute. Played for like look at the, the Maple Leafs. If you played for them for a year, you get a tribute. But it, it's uh, I understand Greg is a legend. Victor Vasquez is a legend. Eric Zavaleta is what he is. Marky Delgado, he's a legend. Uh, Raheem Edwards, he didn't deserve a tribute video. Uh, he was here for like a cup of tea, and that was it. But um, I, I agree with Mike. I didn't expect anybody to have the same opinion as me. Everybody pretty much, besides Mike that I've seen, uh, has the opposite opinion where they wanted a full-blown celebration or do something at halftime or do something at the start of the game. Uh, we, we're, we're, it's the end of the season. We need everything to focus on the game at hand. That, that, that was the mission. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. Fair enough, Sean. Any any thoughts on that? Uh, well, I mean, first of all, we're not in Europe. I, I think one of the the great reasons things I like about North America is that we don't always have to be exactly like European soccer. Like, not that I want. We're not. We don't stop games in in North American soccer when it comes to any kind of tribute, and not, not that we should tribute every pass great that comes through. However, again. We only have one star. We had a sh like people that's been sports been supporting the club from day one knows, you know, we were at one point the laughing stock with our coaching carousel. We got someone that turned this whole not just the first team, but how you know from the academy on on the way up how things were done. I'm not saying make 
and and from a player's aspect, when they're in the dressing room, they're not they don't know what's going on outside. So for them, that wouldn't be fun. if you did it 10, 15 minutes prior. Majority of the fans aren't even paying that much attention. They're they're socializing with everyone around them, getting ready to get hyped. So it really isn't going to affect the atmosphere, in my opinion, that much if you do a minute tribute because a lot of people are getting bears walking around. I probably wouldn't have been in my in my seat at that point anyway. So it wouldn't have been again a one minute thing at that point. In my this is my, my take a full a full on on parade whatever people are saying on social media that's a joke but a little minute 15 minutes 20 minutes before the kickoff in my take is not a big deal not affecting the mindset of fans nor is it going to affect the mindset of anyone playing in the game and as for legends victor vasquez of all those players in my take would be the only one that could ever get legend status as a former player but don't worry, that uh, we'll take care of that. Uh, and and look, Greg Vanny will get his flowers. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not saying don't give it his flowers. I'm saying I'm sure there might be a banner created at some point um, for for Greg Vanny uh, in that little role that we're creating. But um, for right now, it was a big game, and I, I thought it was one of those times where you could just forego the. Uh, Toronto always being nice about stuff and try to win a football match. Uh, Chris, any other thoughts? Um, I wanted to, I don't know if you guys talked about this earlier. I joined a little late. Um, but on Kosi Thompson's first game, build, I thought it was solid. I know at times when it came to the attacking third, he did seem a little bit, a little bit nervous, but he hasn't really played um, in that position for us at all. He doesn't really have any chemistry from that position with anybody. So um, I thought he was fairly solid. I think he, Next season, he's somebody who we can rely as an option there. So not, not as a starter, but if there's injuries like we have now, um, obviously I don't want him to be the first option off the bench. I hope we do get some midfield depth, but I think he's somebody who we can look at keeping. Although a lot of people don't seem to rate Kosi that highly, but I think there's a player in there that we can definitely keep around um, and will do some sort of squad role. I also think... Um, Oh, Achara um, had his best game of the season for us yesterday. Obviously, he got the assist, but besides the assist, it was full of energy. Um, he kind of gave me like Park Chi Sung vibes where he was just running around, chasing everybody down like a madman. Um, but I think he had a, like, once again, I know a lot of people don't rate Achara, but he's somebody, I think that's somebody who you can keep and you can rely on. I know he did cost us points earlier in the season and he, has had some poor performances, but I think he's somebody who, who you can trust out there. And you know what you're going to get, and you're always going to get 100% effort. I know that's not always what you need in a play. You need more than that. 100% effort is the minimum you should get from players, but that's not always the case. Um, so I just want to shout those two players who they, they didn't have, like they were not the superstars or, or anything like that. I think they just put in good efforts yesterday, and I appreciate it. Yeah, well, that's not fair. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's amazing what you do when you play a player like Kosey Thompson in a position that he's grown up playing. Uh, you actually see a, a footballer that looks like he knows what he's doing. Um, so that that's good. And with Achara, um, I'm always, I've always thought he's better as a winger or as somebody who can just come in and give you those sort of wing moments at the end of games where you need to just press and, and, you know, have those moments and then he can maybe pop in with a goal here and there. I mean, bottom of, the squad kind of more players. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think he did it all right. Uh, again, if it's one of those things where he's on the bubble and you got to make a roster decision, I'm not sure you're keeping him. But, uh, you know, if that's the case, then maybe you can find a squad role for him. Sean, I don't know what you think. Well, I think I'll start with the chart. I think the thing is, like, when the chart first came, you know, we saw glimpses of a lot of potential there. Then he had that that injury, and I think since that injury, he's never really been able to kind of get going. I mean, he's also been popped in different spots when he has played this year, so that hasn't helped. Um, but I would probably agree, like when when it, it all boils down, you know, he he's kind of on the bottom of the depth chart, and if if 
if it's keep or, or drop for something, someone maybe a little bit more versatile or, or, you know, depending on what, where the needs of the team lies. I wouldn't say he has to be, he, I wouldn't be upset if they didn't keep him. Put it that. As for uh, Kosi, again, I agree with you, Mike, hundred percent. You know, we, we talked about this all season long and I know he's, people criticized him. He was never a defender, a natural defender. He was a midfielder converted to the defender based on numbers, need, immediate situation. Um, but he was always a midfielder. So when you play a p- player in the position that they're actually comfortable in and know how to play in, they will, you will see if they can actually succeed at this level. Right? We're starting to see that, you know, he'll, he has more confidence. Like he's, he, he even starts slowly start to show improvements within the defensive side. But, uh, you know, when it comes to playing in the midfield, that, you know, that's more his natural role. So he will, in my opinion, he will be around as a depth player in that, you know, um, when needed. But he won't be, he'll, you know, if they add pieces, he will definitely drop within that depth piece. And maybe they'll loan him out next year just so he can get playing time. For sure. And here's a here's something, uh, this is sort of the last thing talk about tonight. I'm going to kind of make it open for him if there's anybody who else wants to jump in with any thoughts. There's just been this question that I, I keep that I keep getting, whether it's for Toronto Till I Die here on uh, on Tunnel Club around Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy and why is he not playing? Um, and obviously Tom Brogert uh, of MLS.com uh, tweeted out today that Club Bruges uh, uh, had serious uh, interest in Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy bringing team and to the point where they're was discussions with TFC potentially on a transfer. Uh, obviously, as a lot of you know, today's transfer deadline day for Europe, uh, and that there was talk about potentially him agreeing to a deal to go to Club Bruges and uh, join in January. Now, it doesn't look like anything happened there, uh, but clearly there is there is solid European interest in Jaquil. I'm just wondering... And maybe I don't have a direct answer to this. I mean, just why why is Jaquil not seemingly, and this is again, this is just based on what we can see, uh, uh, not being on the inside, but seemingly not being chosen for opportunities to get into the lineup where Kosi Thompson and Jaden Nelson are, when arguably potentially your biggest sort of player that could be shopped for for a sell on fee is not uh, just, just something I'm curious about and I don't pretend I have an answer to that I'm just it's something that I've been thinking and um, and uh, I am getting a lot of DMs from a particular person that I cannot name who is asking and is very upset about this so clearly they are a JMR stand but um, just wonder if you had some thoughts on that Sean um, Chris, I'll keep you on for now. Maybe you get a thought in and then uh, we'll bring in the next speaker. Um, yeah, that's actually a good question because I think the problem, I think this is the thing is when, when you get the hype and the rumors that Liverpool, Arsenal, blah, blah, blah. And then unfortunately, again, you know, he started out of, well, I don't know if it was out of position or based on, you know, we don't know why they they chose to pl- to start to start him at that left um, defensive role, uh, or was it right defensive role? I can't even remember. But he was on the right, yeah, on the right side. Where you know, again, as quote unquote an experiment, uh, 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 whether actually was just based on on need, um, but there was this early hype about you know him and Europe, right? Then he got injured. Right. And then I guess for us, it was always wondering, like, you know, is this injury going to hurt that? Then he's back. And then everyone wants it, like, because it's not as if for some reason rumor, like, and there was no, no big names out there saying anything about him, but it just, it seemed like within the Twitterverse, at least within Toronto, it, you just kept feeling like, you know, or something's going to happen with him. So we, when's he going to get on the pitch? You know, and I guess when you had kind of pre hype, there's expectations from the fan base to, all right, if there's this hype about him and all this European talk, why isn't he playing? 
that's a valid question. I don't know. Neither, neither of us, we don't go to training. We don't see what's happening. We don't know if it's just based on right now, they're not sure exactly where they want to play him. Um, and based on, on where everyone else is playing, maybe numbers wise, he's just not first or, and depending on the spot, second option. Yeah. Um, the only I, thing I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can think of is is simply that right now Bob trusts Jaden and Kosey more, um, in their in their roles on the team. I'm I, I'm not sure. I don't know, Chris, if you have any thoughts on that. Before you jump in, if you do have a thought, Chris, here's another reality: we are going for a playoff. Is it time to kind of just try to figure out where he's best playing, or or you know, like go with the guys that at the, like you said, you trust right now based on, look, we have point we can get if we're going to try and make this playoffs. And not to say he's going to hurt us, but, again, you, an injury, like, same with Caden Chung. There's, you know, not necessarily in the sense of, of, of level, but there were taught, like, you know, he's been injury-free for a while now. Why haven't we seen him, you know, when we when we had at certain times needs in those positions? Yeah. So, good uh, yeah, no, I think it's a good question. Chris, go ahead. Um, I think this is a very interesting topic. Um, I put my faith in Bob Bradley because we only see what we can see. So I, I got to assume Bob Bradley's doing the right thing. Um, if we're being honest, when JMR has played this season, he's been okay. Um, he hasn't really been great. I know this season it's been moving him to right back. Um, and he has struggled with that. Um, he's had some good moments. He's had some bad moments, but mostly okay. Um, at one point, Coach who isn't a right back, was playing ahead of him. Um, and, and as much frustrations as we had, Bob Bradley stuck with Coach Thompson. So um, he had an injury. We had this discussion earlier in the season about giving younger players more time when they come back from injury, not to knee-jerk and react in a certain way. Um, and then I also think, I know, I wonder if this is the same person you're talking about. I had a discussion with somebody where they were saying, play Jaquiel in midfield. And then I, I look back and I think, well, Jaquiel's been a winger his whole for the most part. Um, we've tried, we're now converting him into being a right back because both abroad, that's where, the, where most people feel like he should play. So we're trying him out in that position. I don't know if it's fair to now suddenly just throw him into the midfield. Um, I know uh, Kosi is a natural midfielder. Kerr, I think he's a tweener between a winger and a midfielder, and he does and he has played there this season, and he has done okay. Um, Nelson, um, he, yes, he's playing out of position, but he's played well this season. He's been playing well lately. I just I got to put my faith in Bob Bradley. Um, that he knows what he's doing. And I just have to think, he's coming back from an injury. He had struggles adjusting to right back. How is he going to adapt to playing now in the midfield? Do we want to suddenly put him in an awkward position or expose him in some kind of way where he loses some confidence? I know he's probably not gaining any confidence by not playing. But then again, I look in the natural positions that he has played, he's not getting in over Bernard He's not getting in over in trying to convert him at right back. He's not getting an over Larea. So uh, it is what. Uh, and then uh, if he were to go to Club Rouge, um, I don't even know. He's not going to. Like, is he going to start there? Are they going to send him out, out on loan somewhere to start off with? Um, the Belgian transfer window is open, I believe, for a couple more days. So I think something may happen on that end. Who knows? Um, but I don't know. There's too many unknowns. Um, that I just have to put my faith in Bob Bradley that he knows what he's doing. Bob Bradley has dealt with, he, he dealt with Salah. He helped Salah get into the Egyptian national team and start off his uh, Egypt career. Um, like he, he has experience dealing with superstar players. Uh, I just got to hope that Bob Bradley knows what he's doing at this point. That there's, there's too many unknowns. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, Chris, I'm going to move you into the audience. Thanks for your thoughts, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where you, I wonder if it's one of those, yeah, where we just have to 
And I think I, I, I'm on the same sort of wavelength of, you know, let's, 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 let's trust that Bob Bradley knows what he's doing and he knows how to bring young players through. And uh, I think a good point was made there that you're taking a winger, converted him to right wing back. Then you're going to, then he gets an injury. Then he comes back. Then you want it. Then they started playing him at left back when he came back uh, as a sub. Now you want him to go into midfield and learn how to be a midfielder. I mean, that's a lot for uh, admittedly a uh, a seventy-eight-year-old to yeah. take in his full season. And that's, I think, that the, a big point we need to remember. He's only he just turned eighteen. Yeah, he's still a like that's really a young kid who's just figuring things out, and he's only gonna like for whatever skills he has. When you're, especially right now, being surrounded with the talent he has at, in training, that can only get better. Absolutely. So, assuming right now it's just figuring out, all right, what's the best place to play him? You know, and maybe right now it, all, all this European hype needs to kind of chill so that, you know, from from just an internal club perspective, he can focus on just developing the where the be- his best needs are. Absolutely. Robbie, any thoughts? Go ahead and yourself. Yeah. Um, I, I, Chris kind of said a lot of thought, things that I, I, I feel, and you guys are touching on a lot of great points that I agree with as well. And I think, I think one, trust Bob Bradley. Two, like Chris was saying, I don't think Jaquiel's really shown that he kind of deserves to be out there, right? He, he's been effective, but not really at least from, from my eye test and, and I'm not a, I'm not a soccer, you know, a, a soccer coach like Bob or anything like that, but he really hasn't shown me that, that he deserves more. Um, and then, and I think the other side of this is, and this is where I'm going to speculate a bit is when, and I've, I've been a young prospect, but in a, in a different sport. And when there's a hype that starts to build up around you, you know, you have your routine you're rolling, you're doing well, you're getting noticed, maybe something uh, but at some point it gets to your head a bit and 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 I and that that sort of feeling where you kind of feel maybe a little bit bigger than the world it takes away from, from your fight from that intensity and focus that you bring to every training session that you bring to every game and to be fair like watching Jaquil when he's been on the pitch a little bit of that's missing is it because he was coming back from an injury is it because of what I'm you know kind of touching on here perhaps and and I think what's also important uh, what, what really because you're thinking about Achara, Achara had a post game comment, and it was about how hard he'd been working all year to make a contribution at that moment to get in, to get on the field. And he came out like Achara had some playing time earlier in the season, and he was flat. It, it wasn't good, and I think you guys talked about it on the show. And that JMR right is being asked to basically show us what you got, work for us. Give us the training sessions. You got to prove again that you are that top prospect. You got to show that you all you still have to earn it. And as a young guy who's getting a ton of attention, a ton of praise, I think it's maybe got into his end. This is probably what's happening behind the scenes. And Bob saying, I need more from you. I need more from you. So he might have been riding that high, floating on that cloud. And, he, and I'm sure he's grinding because there's a ton of great leaders in the room. And by all accounts, JMR is focused. But I think we're seeing that growth of a young guy just trying to, like, learn the routine of showing up every single day, giving it 100. Does he have a ton of upside? Yeah, probably the most of, of any of our young guys, like, right now. Um, we'll see that happen. Whether he plays now or not, I'm not too fussed about it. I think it's just it's just a young player going through the stages of growth. And we'll see, and we'll see what happens. Okay, fair enough. Thanks, Robbie. I'll just move into the audience. Okay, uh, we'll bring in our last speaker of the night. I think we'll wrap up the show here. I'm going to Jordan in. Uh, Jordan, uh, you should be in now, so go ahead and unmute yourself, man, and uh, give us your your final thought. Am I missing something? How is... There no room on the starting eleven for TFC's twenty-five million dollar man at the beginning of the season. Jaquil Marshall Ruddy, he is a good prospect. Don't get me wrong, but he's looking a lot more like Balu Tabla than he does look like Ishmael Kone right now. 
And from the looks from his last couple of appearances, he's been looking a lot like he's trying to do football. He's not trying to make an impression on himself. He's not. He's just doing everything he can to not make a mistake. And then with him doing that, he's not really playing the way he, the way we think he should be playing. And I think there's a lot to be desired right now. And yeah, according to the previous caller, as as I, as he said, like uh, it probably got to his head, especially with that twenty five million dollar price tag they got at the beginning of the season. So. No, I, I'm starting to think that if Kosey Thompson and DeAndre Kerr are getting more chances than him, there's probably something that Rob Bradley sees that we are not, and he's probably not ready. But at the same time, <clears throat> the fact that Club Bruce and a lot of these European clubs still see something in him just goes to show just how much youth is a great asset in this day and age because you can still mold him to become the player that people see because he will get more chances than Richie Larea ever could from now in the future just because of that in of itself. Um, but, yeah, I'll leave it at that, and uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you guys continue. Okay. Thanks, Jordan. I uh, appreciate the thought. I'm just going to move you back in the audience here. Uh, yeah, the, the valuation of Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy, I think at the beginning of the year was just nonsense. Like it, it actually came up from Bill Manning in, in an interview. Uh, he should have said nothing. He should not have come up with a, a number on Jaquiel. I think it, it could put undue pressure on the player. I think it also just gives everybody an unrealistic expectation of where Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy actually really is. Um, obviously, look, it's a business, and Toronto FC are trying to drive value out of a asset that European teams clearly had interest in. Uh, so I, I get it to that extent, but honestly, I think Bill probably should not have said anything there and because he's not worth twenty million. Like he's not worth twenty million. No way is he worth twenty million, right? Uh, I think Bogert's uh, tweet today talked about a potential valuation of about 4.5 million, which is probably a, a lot more accurate than uh, 20 million. And then in terms of, you know, how he's been playing since the injury, I thought he's been fine. Like I thought he was fine. I, I get it. I, I do see what Jordan's saying there in terms of maybe playing a bit safe and not necessarily, uh, trying to push things. I, I noticed that in his... Now, granted, it was his first game back uh, in the New England, New England away game where he was very much deferring to Bernadeschi. Uh, and that's to be expected of an 18-year-old who's just coming back from injury and all of a sudden you've got a potentially $10 million a year DP in front of you, right? You're going to pass him the ball. Uh, so from that perspective, I... I get that do i think there's an opportunity for bob bradley to put him in off the bench in certain situations um i think so but clearly he's being nailed to the bench uh and look noble akello who hasn't played since i think may got minutes last night uh so that was again that was something that was interesting to me i've noticed that that even when there are opportunities maybe from the bench to get in minutes he is looking at other options. Uh, and, and look, I, I try to just, just say ill of Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy's work ethic or anything like that. That's definitely not, I think, the question here. I think it's whether or not Bob Bradley thinks Jaquiel Marshall Ruddy is ready for these big moments. And clearly right now the answer is no. I don't know what you sort of think about that, Sean, but no, that's how I, I see it. I would probably agree that right now he's not, you know, based. I mean, again, like I said, none of us here are, are there at practice, know what's going on behind scenes, but I would say, you no, know, he probably doesn't, if he's ready to be an impact player. Um, now, again, it could be based on, again, where he's not just number one option off the bench based on, based on positioning, he's two or three. And when, when you're two or three, you're not going to get 
the, the coach is not going to be calling on you that often, right? That's just the reality. Um, but you're right about uh, seeing Noble for the first time in, in, in seemed like forever. Yo, he made a massive defensive stop at one point uh, when he came on that pitch. Yeah, he did. I can't remember his name from from LA who was just start dribbling through everyone and nobody said, yo, let me just, and just stepped right in and just chopped him down. I'm like that, like when you see that out of him, it's like, that's what, you know, we need that, that, that physical presence that we have don't have on the pitch. Like he's a big young man. Well, and yeah, we, we were saying that last night. Like, I think a lot of people were asking, you know, does he have a future in his, as a center back? Uh, potentially, and um, you know, uh, he is still a player sort of going to his body, oddly enough, um, even though he is already like a, a unit, like he is a big boy, but um, he's still growing into his body in a lot of ways. He's, st- I think, he's still physically growing, um, I think is what I, I heard at the beginning of the year. Uh, so that's still like, you know, imagine yourselves as teenagers still growing and trying to, you know, I remember me going through a five inch growth spurt over the summer and I was a giraffe. Uh, imagine if you're a professional footballer that has to have coordination and skill and you're still growing and trying to figure out your body. Right. So that that's, and that goes also for Jaquil Marshall Ruddy, right? Like that's the thing about development that sometimes we don't think about, think about is that, you know, physically, these young guys are still growing into their bodies, and those physiological changes can change the way you play. Uh, and, and figuring that out, and figuring out how to manage that, is is going to be key. Um, me personally, I, I maybe JMR gets sold off in in, uh, in the winter window, or maybe as if the Belgian window is still open. Maybe he they work something out with Bruges and he gets loaned back for the rest of the year or even into next year. Um, but you know, as much as it's you know Jamar's not playing, why isn't he playing? I, I think that it's not one the biggest issue at TFC right now, uh, and two, I think that um, you know we're going to have to trust, trust Bob on this one. Um, in terms of to pick a team and pick a team that is going to give TFC the best chance to win. Cause you know, obviously with the, with the new signings in uh, and with some of the decisions he has to make around those new signings with injuries, et cetera, he hasn't really pressed the wrong button too much in this last sort of stretch. Um, and, and the team has been grinding out results uh, and that's a positive thing. Um, I, I think we'll leave it there. Other than to say at least last thoughts for me, one, last night, I thought it was jumping. I thought people got into it. I thought there was a little bit of a lull in, in sort of the first half, um, especially after LA scored the, scored the first goal. But, you know, I think people picked it up afterwards um, and, and really got into it. And that was, that's huge. And you're going to need that again on Sunday. Um, I hate CNE games. <laughs> I think a lot of people feel the same sentiment around trying to get in and out of BMO field uh, during the CNE uh, Sunday will be uh, not better <laughs> than, than last night, considering it is the second last day of the CNE. Uh, yeah. So that's going to be a mess. And, and lastly, uh, just to reiterate something I said earlier, um, you know, we, we were able, Annie Hart and myself were able to, uh, unveil the two latest uh, TFC legends uh, before the game uh, in the South End, Danny Dicchio and Dwayne DiRosario joining Justin Morrow, um, a legend of the club. Um, you know, it, it, this is something that's that's fan-driven, uh, something that we thought up uh, because the club wasn't really doing anything uh, with this, which is uh, a little shocking, but you know, hopefully we can do this once a year where, you know, we give the vote to you guys and you, you, you know, let us know, you know, off a list of potential people who are the, the two that should two or maybe even three that join, um, that join those gentlemen in that, uh, in that club. We'll quit the artwork and well, I have no skill in that whatsoever. Um, but we're, we're going to try to find a permanent home 
uh, for those banners uh, somewhere, probably in the South End. I don't know where yet. We're working with the club to figure that out. But, um, you know, it, it's something that we're really excited about and want to make a tradition uh, every year where we bring uh we we just we show like like i said to greg van like we show them their flowers and the fans get to show them their flowers that way uh so we'll have another vote next year uh and, and, and some legends into uh the tfc legends ranks so uh other than that that's all i have uh for the end of the show sean anything on your end well, definitely got a shout out, you know, again, thank you and Annie, but big shout out to Annie of the Banner Factory for all the great work that she does. Uh, and everyone there, like, you know, the the artwork and, and a lot of the banners, like, I know it's a lot of hard work that comes goes behind the scenes. And we just, you know, got to shout you out and say thank you very much. Um, and a reminder for Sunday, for those down, Mike, I said enough, CNA games are the worst. Leave extra early if you have to drive <laughs> um, even if you're taking transit leave early because like every transit getting into that, that area is delayed and slow and behind because of the traffic so yeah but come with your voices because you know the whole stadium you know for the past what uh, literally basically since the Charlotte game it's just been amazing and if we can keep that for the rest of the year going into next year, you know, BMO is going to be one of the best uh, fortresses in MLS, if not the best. All right. There you go. You heard it uh, there first. Okay. We'll uh, wrap up the show for tonight. Thank you, everybody, to for listening to another edition of the Tunnel Club. Uh, we will be back uh, at uh, some point, either Sunday or Monday, uh, with a Tunnel Club uh, Monday, we will also have, or sorry, no, we won't actually. Well, uh, maybe we'll do Monday. Uh, I mean, we'll talk. It's Labor Day, so I don't know if we'll want to do a show. Um, but we will be, yeah, well, we could, uh, we might, we might do it. We might try to maybe do it, uh, late Sunday, um, outside the stadium because I'm probably going to stop somewhere and try to get a pint because it's going to be rampacked to get on the train home. Um, but, uh, and then we'll be back with, Toronto till I die the podcast next week um, with I think for the first time in a while it will be myself Michael Singh and Jeffrey P. Nesker all back in the same podcast I'll be the first time in a while um, that we'll uh, be able to say that so uh, um, on behalf of Sean my name is Mike thank you again for listening to the Tunnel Club uh, follow us uh, at TFC Tunnel Club if you don't already a lot of you already do uh, this show also will come out as a podcast, as a lot of you also know. Uh, it will come out through the Toronto Till I Die network. Uh, so if you're already following that on wherever you grab your podcasts, uh, this show will be available as a podcast, most likely tomorrow. Like, rate, review, all that good stuff. Um, and that, good night, guys. And uh, we will see you all for a big derby match on Sunday against Montreal, who apparently don't also have uh, a ton of away supporters, apparently, because they're not allowed because, you know, throwing a brick at um, TFC Security's head last year tends to get you banned uh, from traveling away. Just a notice to if anybody's asking why um, Montreal Ultras can't travel. Think about that. All right. Good night, everybody. We'll see you Sunday. <laughs>